Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, Turf fans? Fred Ryan and Ahmed back for yet another episode of the Shell and Tell podcast. Uh, it is Thursday, October 14th. Terps coming off a, a second kind of embarrassing loss. Uh, this one on the road in Columbus. Uh, but was it as bad as it looked, Ryan? We're going to talk a little bit about that on the show. Yeah, personally, I don't think so. We'll get deep into that. Uh, with the bye week pending, we also get into those positional grades we promised you from one of the mailbag questions last week. And to close it out, we will break down the men's basketball's latest commitment in four-star Bobby Clintman, and I'll break down what I saw at Tuesday's practice for uh, media availability. Yeah, it's so, getting to that getting to that time of year, man. We're actually <laughs> going to talk some hoop squad. I, I Just like in time, Maryland starts losing big games, and <laughs> basketball comes rolling around. It's a, a tradition as old as time. I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> Rinse and repeat seems to happen every year. All right, so we got to dive into this game as bad as I don't want to. Uh, Terps lose 66 to 17, like I said, in Columbus. Uh, second straight bad, vic- bad loss uh, to a Big Ten team. But again, this one to me didn't have the same effect. Didn't, I didn't have the same ugly feeling after the Iowa game. We didn't turn the ball over seven times. We didn't commit 10 penalties in this game. They actually played a pretty decently clean football game. We just got beat by a much better team. Yeah, I I fully agree with you on that one. I mean, I was hurt after the Iowa game. You guys heard it last week. We weren't ourselves. I'm out here dropping F-bombs on the radio over here. (laughs) Uh, I couldn't couldn't handle seeing the way we played because if we played that way against anyone, we lose. If we play... The way we played against Ohio State against some teams, we're still coming out with the W against Ohio State. It's not good enough. Yeah, I just think also with the injury concerns as well. I mean, just just finding a way to a recipe for success against a Ohio State team that's littered with day one, day two talent on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, it was a tall task. But you know, Fred, uh, Ryan, I, I completely agree. You know, um, you know that the, the Ohio State loss was definitely not as disappointing. Um, well, it didn't didn't hurt as much as the as the Iowa game. Some fans out there didn't agree with us, though, because people were going off. Yeah, so you've got a very divided fan base right now. If you pay any attention to social media out there, Facebook and Twitter, you've got a fan base who this is kind of what we expected going into these two weeks. Then you've got the other fan base that let's you know clean house, let's get rid of everybody, start over again. This, this whole coaching staff needs to go. People need to take a, a chill pill, in my opinion, just relax a little bit. We're still seeing good progress here. Uh, this this team's just had a lot of adversity to come through. The injuries is number one. Like yeah. Ahmed said, we we are so deep into into the injuries at this point. We're missing now two of our top three wide receivers that we talked about at the beginning of the year. We're missing uh, two, three out of our top four linebackers we were missing last week, and I think four out of top five cornerbacks. Like it's it's unbelievable the attrition at individual positions. Overall, I mean, there there were places we were worried that were still healthy. Like we knew the offensive line had to stay healthy. Knocking on all kinds of wood while I talk to you right now, <laughs> and we're still healthy, looking good. But it was just it wasn't one guy from every position. We're losing bunches like in isolated positions, and it's killing us. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, integral members to that to that rotation. I mean, the linebacker room, we all know that they're, they're pretty depleted right now. Obviously, the cornerback, the, the secondary against Ohio State, um, like you mentioned, you know, just the guys like Corey Coley, who a year ago was in high school, and now he's going up against uh, Garrett Wilson, who's a day one, uh, like I said, day one, day two draft pick. So, um, so I, I agree, and I understand, you know, some of the fans that might feel dejected after these last two weeks. But um, in my opinion, one of the the, the ray of sunshine's coming out of this is just the young reps that these guys are able to get. I mean, yep. these freshmen and sophomores going against these more talented guys. And, um, you know, I just keep thinking about when these guys are juniors and seniors, that's going to, it's going to play dividends. Well, let's dive into this game specifically, the Ohio State game. Again, we have to talk about it. Uh, this was the second game in a row, Ryan, where I thought the first quarter actually started off pretty well. They started off decent against Iowa. At least they were in the game through the first quarter. And this one, it kind of started the same game, same way, but there were a couple of key plays. It just changed everything. Yeah, I mean, the first key play that changed everything was the least decent thing about the first quarter. Losing Deshaun Jones is, is yeah. going to be is going to be a huge loss for this. I I feel like he was ready and primed to take over that spot that was emptied out by Demas. Obviously, he wasn't going to replace him completely. That's not the goal. But he was going to be the largest brunt shouldering that that load. And you just kind of felt that he was the guy that was most ready to step up in that spot. And to lose him, what, 10 seconds into the game? Like, that's the kind of thing that you expect this team to fold and start looking like they did after the Demas injury the week before because you could feel doomed. And I just didn't feel that in this game. Did you feel that in this game, Ahmed? Yeah, no. I mean, I I, I didn't. Um, I thought that, you know, just like you said, Deshaun Jones, I thought was a guy that could really seamlessly fill that role. Um, so just having to, to play through that game and in real time have to figure out how to fill that void, I thought was really tough task. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a pretty detrimental blow to the passing attack yeah, to their credit. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead Fred. I was just say you feel bad for the kid, man. This is second major injury for this kid now in his college career. Uh, he's got all the potential in the world. Like you said, if he could just put it all together and, and, and stay on the field and stay healthy, uh, it, it comes at a position that we talked about that this was probably one of the best positions, if not the best position group on the team going into the year. Uh, a lot of depth, a lot of pieces uh, that can still come in and, and be impactful, which we're going to talk a little bit about those later. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just, just a huge, huge loss two weeks in a row to lose two of your top three wide receivers like that. Yeah, to their credit, they did not hang their heads. They looked good, especially Talia. Me and Ahmed talked last week. The biggest thing I wanted to see was I wanted the ghost gone. Yep. I wanted his happy feet gone. I didn't want to see that, you know, he was overwhelmed in the moment that we saw in that Iowa game clearly, and that we all remember from that Northwestern atrocity from last year. And he fully bounced back in my head. I understand if you look at the box score, it doesn't look that great. I understand that it says there's two interceptions. That's garbage. There was one interception. The right. second interception was a beautiful pass uh, that should have been an eight-yard completion. So it hit both the receiver's hands and ended up in a linebacker's arms going the other direction for six. So you can't hold that against him. And then many of those negative yardage was on an, a snap that I believe was early. It was actually a decent snap. It hit off his hip, but he wasn't ready for it. It was a 20-yard snap behind him. So negative 60 in the box score and two interceptions in the box score looks like a garbage game. But if you watch that game, you can't really feel that that was a bad quarterback performance out there. He was under control and distributing the ball to lots of his playmakers. Yeah, I actually kind of agree. I mean, I, I think Loxa even mentioned it after the game. He saw it for the first three quarters. You know, Talia played played better. It was just that fourth quarter where he seemed to try and force it a little bit more. And I know we talked about it a um, uh, little bit last week. We're just, um, you know, leaving Talia, trying to get him out and, you know, leaving him on a, on a high note. Um, 
and you kind of felt that that was going to happen again this weekend uh, against Ohio State. But uh, obviously, um, you know, I thought that there were just some plays where he 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 did try and extend a little bit too much. But like you said, it was uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put the the a lot a lot of the offensive woes on on Talia. I thought that it was just kind of a lot, but. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely a game where he was able to rebound a bit. Yeah, I agree. I think he played a pretty clean football game, considering. I mean, he's going up against the the cream of the crop defensively uh, in the Big Ten. You know, a lot of NFL prospects in that secondary for Ohio State. Uh, so to come away from that game again with the two interceptions, one of which, like you said, Ryan really was not his fault at all. Uh, I think he played a good game, considering. Uh, the one thing that I, I think I was kind of surprised about with this game was the the lack. Uh, of rushing attack, especially with Tayon Fleet Davis. I just didn't look like the offensive line got a lot of push. Couldn't it wasn't open a whole lot of holes for Tayon in the in the limited opportunities that he had. Uh, but we weren't real effective on the ground in this game. No, we weren't that effective on the ground this game. But we did see some some action from uh, Chalen Famitalo ended up yep. being our offensive player of the game. Uh, he averaged over eight yards a touch, uh, two receptions, and I think seven rushes uh, for ninety yards. Um, he looked really good out there, uh, showed showed why we gave him a scholarship because I hadn't seen a bunch. There was like one or two plays throughout the year before this where I was like, oh, OK, that was pretty good. But in this game, you really saw like that he belongs on a Big Ten roster um, and that he could he could do the job. Tayon was not getting the ball it, it, through the line at all. Uh, the swing passes were just kind of predictable and there were people waiting for him by the time he got the ball. So it, it, it was he was wrapped up before he even could do anything with it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that I thought Jalen was kind of a surprise for me. Um, wasn't really expecting him to get a lot. And, you know, I think Penny Boone and Isaiah Jacobs, I know we'll talk a little bit about later, but definitely thought at least Penny, I thought he would be a guy that could pave the way and get some, get some, uh, some, some, some snaps right there and, and try and use that physicality a little bit more to kind of take advantage of the smaller holes. Um, but um, really, really haven't been able to see too, too much of them consistently. Um, but I did think that there was a more concentrated effort to get a ground game going than a week ago. So I did feel like there were at times where Maryland did try and commit to the run. They yeah, just, just couldn't get it going. It. Exactly. Just yeah. didn't, didn't do it well and didn't do it uh, consistently. Well, with only scoring 17 points and us trying to pretend that this is a positive thing, there had to be points left on the board. And we got to start talking about that, where there were very clear scoring opportunities that we just didn't take advantage of. The very first one was on the very first drive after they you know, brushed the dirt off from the Jayshon Jones injury. Uh, Talia misses a wide open Daryl Jones yeah. streaking on a nine route. They ran that beautiful levels play that I love so much where they got the five yard cross, a 10 yard cross and the nine route going on the side. Uh, and he was wide open. You can't put it all on Talia on that one, though, because I think he got shocked that like he was wide open because he like throws his hand up that he's open and stops while putting his hand up and then starts running again. And he was missed by a couple yards. If you just keep running with your hand in the air, you're good to go. You got six points there. Yeah. Uh, we did end up scoring a field goal on that drive. So that's a miss of four. It's not like, you know, a total wide open miss. But still, that's four points you left off the board that were easy. That That was over. That drive was over and should have been seven. I agree with that. I definitely agree. And the other thing that kind of shocked me in this game is, you obviously you, you lose Demas last week. You lose Jason Jones in the first ten seconds. You know, Rock is is definitely the number one receiver. There's no question about that in this group. Uh, he, he did have the one catch. It was a you know it was a great touchdown. The stiff arm was was fantastic. But that was it. That was the only production you got out of Rock in this game. Uh, it didn't seem like he got a ton of opportunities. Again, it's going against a very talented secondary group, but I expect a little bit more out of him as he is kind of the the alpha dog now in that room. Yeah, I think, I think the, the good. 
I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing with Rack now is that he's going to be getting that those those top targets. And I think just losing a guy like Demas, where he he's forced to command that that attention, especially over the top, just opens up so much more with Rack and, and the other guys. And even with Deshaun Jones, when he was kind of filling in for Dante, I think that that was why Rack was in position to really capitalize and help that passing attack uh, continue. Now, um, I think Daryl Jones is a guy that maybe is next in line where he replaces that void, but he doesn't command that same type of respect right now. And I think with Rack getting that increased attention against, like we said, against Ohio State, I think that's kind of where he's struggling right now is how to how to break out of that, how to be, you know, create separation right uh right right from the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he he's kind of still struggling a little bit, but um, you know, I think that that's kind of the biggest concern right now. This goes back to our expectations. I mean, the reason that we were so excited about this wide receiver core is that we felt like we had at least two, maybe three number one wide receivers. Right. They couldn't focus in on one. Yeah, they couldn't focus in on one. Like we didn't have a Calvin Johnson out there that we thought was just going to beat anybody no matter what. You can double team. Like we just had so much firepower that somebody was going to get the job done. And it's just it's a whole different game out there. Yes, Rack is one of our highest rated recruits. Yes, he's like the next, you know, we everyone wants to compare him to Diggs. That's the local huge five star that stayed home. But like he's still only what 10, 12 games or I guess 11 games into his career at Maryland. Like right. this is a young kid. This is he's he will probably be able to like take your number one defender and do what he wants. But that's going to be next year. That's not going to really be this year. He's going to be a very productive receiver. He's going to have big plays because he's got big talent. But I, I, it's a whole different ball game with him getting everyone's number one and a lot of double teams than it was when they had to single cover rack because you had too many weapons everywhere. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. All right, let's go over to the defensive side of the ball because uh, obviously giving up 60, uh, 66 points in this game uh, is a defensive struggle, especially uh, on the back end. Uh, this secondary continues uh, to get torched defensively. Uh, and in a lot in this game, which kind of surprised me, you know, we've we've been high on Tareeb still, especially going into this year, but they targeted him a lot in this game. They went after him a lot and they caught him. Yeah, they were really able to find success against that secondary. I mean, I thought that, uh, I mean, Ohio State really did a good job of just taking advantage of one-on-one matchups. Um, there were a lot of times where I thought Tareeb still and um, uh, Corey Coley should have had some help over the top and, yeah. you know, allowed allowed that the big play to, to be able to uh, be able to happen. Um, so definitely, definitely the secondary is a concern. Also, just the defensive line really wasn't able to get much pressure on CJ Stroud at all. And that just allowed him to get that extra second or two in the pocket. And then, you know, when you're waiting that long, uh, you know, someone's going to be open. Right. The, the TV coverage did a great job showing that, like, Stroud was throwing this ball when these wide receivers were completely blanketed in coverage, but he, it was, you know, he, they said, I think it was, if you're even, you're leaving. I think it was the, was what they had said. And it was true. Like, I mean, they, was, they were literally double covered, you know, 10 yards downfield stride for stride with their wide receiver. And he'd let the ball go. And by the time the ball got there, he was seven yards in front of our DBs. Like that was, that was not a, a scheme issue. That was not a, you know, you know, playing the the play wrong. That was just a talent deficit. Like their their dude was just better than your dudes. Like I, I don't know what the what the fans want us to do about that. We don't have those dudes right now. Yeah. So that actually brings up a good question too, is because what we've seen over the last few weeks and a lot this year is that this secondary's played a lot of man coverage. Right. Do do you adjust to that? Do you go from a man coverage to a zone scheme, being that you don't have the talent out there as much and you've got all the injury issues and obviously the depth isn't as good as we had hoped it to be? I mean, what 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 is I guess the solution 
uh, to the situation. I mean, obviously, you got to get more pass rush. It starts there. They have to have the pass rush. Can't cover forever. But I mean, does maybe going to a zone scheme help at all? I, th- I think I think Maryland will be able to be fine because uh, I mentioned on Sunday on the site uh, for our premium subscribers, but just I think for the Minnesota game, Maryland should be able to have Kenny Bennett and Jacorian Bennett back. Um, so huge. I think just the that just that the, if they do return, that helps them stay in the man coverage. But I do think that these last two games have um, have led led the co- coaching staff to be open to those types of defensive changes and and switching things up a little bit more. I think it got to the point where literally everyone was in was backed into coverage. I mean, you had Nick Cross playing man to man up there. You have Ruben Hippolyte is constantly covering the wide receivers. They've realized that our defensive back is poor, so they're they're literally throwing four and five receivers out there on every play and just making everyone throw play pass defense. So right. like even the the deepest screen we can play prevent, I guess, and just like lose slower. But like <laughs> to actually to actually win, to actually get the ball back, you have to play the way they played. And we were so close on so many times. I mean, there were so many times where you had these guys in third and long, so many times where they went forward on fourth down. I, I there were I, even the first drive, the first time Ohio State got the ball, you got them in the third and eight, and then they had a, a snap infraction. The center didn't snap the ball, so it was third and thirteen. So then you play it perfectly. You get your defense out there in line. They did play a zone. They kept everything in front of them. The ball was caught three yards in front of the sticks, and Isaiah Hazel misses a wide open open field tackle, and that's how they get the first down there. Then even on the same drive, they still have to go for it on fourth down in the red zone to score their first seven. So right. like two times on that drive, either the first one would have been a punt. That was way, way deep in the middle of the field. So they could have punted the ball and got none, or they could have kicked the field goal and got three. Instead, that drive still ends up in seven because that's what Ohio State planned to do to us that day. They never took their foot off the gas. They played their starters for four quarters. Apparently, they were out there to embarrass us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything. Um, I know you said defensive line, and, and, and I agree with you, has to get more pressure, right, in order to help with that secondary. But I actually thought, it, considering the kind of backs that Ohio State has in, had in this game, against the run, they did pretty well. Um, you know, Henderson's going to get his yards. I think he had a little over 100, 100 yards in this game. But I think against the run, defensively, I, I was I was okay with how they performed in this game. Yeah, I kind of thought so too. I thought, uh, like, really, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I thought the, the run defense was actually pretty, pretty impressive um, at times. Um, but because Travion, like you said, he, I think he got into the end zone uh, two or three times on, on Saturday as well. So he definitely did find his success, and he's been a, a probably the most impressive freshman in the Big Ten so far this For year. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think just kind of having maybe to. Um, be mindful of both and and play maybe defending against the the run and pass and uh, you know minimizing what you're susceptible to. Um, but overall, I, I thought that that run defense did a did a good job. And um, I guess maybe this sounds weird, but made them a little bit more one dimensional. Um, but just that one dimension did not go in our favor. <laughs> right. It was a huge dimension. It was a huge dimension. <laughs> and, but they do. They have two NFL running backs, and it wasn't like yeah, they had some big plays on us. Don't get me wrong; they're going to like, but but they did play well. And I may correct me if I'm wrong, but we're going to get a big help piece back in that, getting another linebacker back after the bye week. Yeah, yeah, I am expecting to get Brandon Jennings back. Um, so Maryland will get a little bit more healthy. Um, at first, I was not expecting Brandon Jennings to play at all against Ohio State. Then it sounded like, you know, Loxie, he mentioned that he got a chance to practice and then he got out, he flew out there, was a game time decision. And if 
you know, everything went well. He was going to play and uh, just sounded like they, they didn't really want to rush it. Didn't feel 100% healthy. You, so just, you keep your kid he- happy, man. Like you, it's a freshman that you don't want leaving your program. You let him fly out to the shoe and take a look at, at the experience, like whether right. you were planning to play him or not. You exactly. just lie to him all week. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll get you out there. No problem. Jump on the bus. I mean, what's, what's it cost me to get you back out there? And just be like, all right, we're looking out for your benefit. We need you after the bye week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think it kind of works out in Maryland's favor just because uh, obviously for Goate, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of mentioning on the site, not expecting him back anytime soon. Um, so for Jennings to come back is big for that linebacker room and for the front seven. Let me ask you this, and this has obviously been a concern with some fans on social media as well. Um, what what do you think the vibe has been kind of around this team now after both of these losses? Do you feel like there's any kind of like potential fear or concern of players hitting the transfer portal, like buying it, not buying into the program anymore, not buying into the message. Are you getting that vibe at all? Cause a lot of fans are concerned about that. Um, there, there was some, I guess I would say knee jerk reactions kind of coming after that Ohio state game. But, um, and I know, um, you know, obviously we mentioned it on the site again and kind of had some, some scares about some guys hitting the transfer portal, you know, as we covered on the site, but one guy that did transfer, it was Joseph Oltapelli. Um, he hit the portal this week and uh, was removed from the roster and left the program on Monday. Um, so he, that that's one departure, but I would not say that's indicative of, uh, maybe the state of the program. There's just other things that are, that have been going on there. Um, but, uh, I think, I think this is kind of that point when the, in the, in the season where, there are some people that are kind of taking a, a deeper look and seeing maybe, you know, is this the best opportunity for me? Um, but I, I wouldn't say that it's more about people or and just the program as a whole just kind of disintegrating. It's more just, you know, you're getting into that heart of adversity right before Big Ten play um, and that bye week kind of gives you that reset. So I, I think that that's kind of more along the lines of that. Okay. Did you catch the blown call on that at OSU second touchdown? The Nasil kite coming out of the line without a helmet on his head. The offensive lineman literally ripped it right off his face. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did because I noticed <laughs> I, I noticed Nasili kite after, right after the play. He was complaining to the refs, and I, uh, I had to re- rewind it like six times to even figure out what happened. But like, you can't you can't come out of a play as a defensive lineman with your helmet off and it not have been a penalty. There's it's ha- legal hands to the face. The only way you take a helmet off is hands to the face. Yeah. Like. <laughs> And that's a 15 yard penalty. Instead of being on the goal line, it would have been, goal, uh, you know, whatever it was, third and goal from the 15. Like, there's all these huge moments in this game that could have really changed things. Yeah. All the fourth and ones. You get, you got Ohio State in field goal range, up 42 to 10 on fourth and one, throwing a touchdown pass, <laughs> like hitting the home run ball. I, it, it's just crazy how much these those little things, like, everyone's to blow up to this huge score. Yes, we would have lost. But these things, if they play like a, like a normal football game where you kick the field goal and field goal range. This is about the point spread. Like the difference yeah. was the fact that they just decided we're just going to hang them like on every play. We don't care. Like they, they just use it as practice, which is their right. They're allowed to do that. I'm not mad at them, but like, I just don't understand how you watch this game and just, it was not the same as Iowa. Iowa just, we did not belong in the stadium that day. We looked like an elementary school team. There was nothing positive at all. Ohio state, didn't have that vibe we weren't good enough on defense okay i get it like it does that doesn't make me happy i'm not glad that we don't have the dudes to hang with them that only three of our players on defense even look like they should be in the same stadium with those guys but 
it is what it is right now. Like that's where we're working. We have injuries of other guys that would be be at that level, and we're getting some of those guys back, and we're working to grow to get these six wins that we all had the goal for, so we can bring in more dudes to make this happen. You know, and it's a good point because I think fans' expectations around this program. I know everybody wants to win every year. Everybody wants to to be in that national championship conversation type thing. But with college football, the thing you need to understand is there's tiers to this, right? And there's I would say there's three, maybe even four tiers that top tier that tier number one is very small you know you've got maybe 10 we're teams. never getting to that tier right i mean it, it, it ever the, the, op, the yeah <laughs> you might hit it once in a blue moon just based on you know the recruiting yeah. and, and things falling your way uh but you want to get into that middle tier that tier two that tier three and i think that's where we're Michigan at state right exactly you want to be in the conversation you want to be bowling every year and i think we are making the progress but for you to have that kind of expectation to be able to compete with these teams i know we did it three years ago we competed and we were down to the last play in this game but again it was anomaly you know what i mean it was it wasn't something that we're going to do every year year in and year out so expectations just need to be tempered a little bit. and even if it happens it's a it's any given saturday type situation even if you beat one of these top teams hanging on the you know the wrong day it doesn't mean that you're going to continue to beat the equal team to them later in the year right like this is you're going to have to catch everything right like and but it, the, our, our goal always was or at least mine and fred's ahmed wasn't even around when we talked about these goals of like becoming <laughs> the, the the big 10 was a michigan state where you're bowling every year every once in a while you get a 10 11 win season and you have a great time and go to some awesome bowl like we're not gonna be ohio state where we're mad about our first loss every year like I, it's that's just a completely unrealistic expectation and if you want it to be that then you need to find some bigger donors yeah, you need to be find some people to show up in that stadium you need to be able to have enough to close in the bowl over that new beautiful screen because we're not supporting it as fans good enough for it to get to that level ever yeah i mean i think you hit it right there i think a lot of fans when and when fred you mentioned at the beginning of the show you know fans are kind of split right now and some maybe kind of have one foot out the door and others are maybe you know dejected and whatnot right um, I, I think there's a lot there's a good portion of the fan base that you know they understand that it's not gonna happen overnight and you know, there were a lot of expectations kind of going into this year you know pivotal just being year three it's always gonna year three is always kind of that uh, that first pivotal season under a head coach, and yep. um, you know, I think there there are some people that realize, like you said, it's just a, it's just a process. So, um, so it's just all about figuring out what the recipe looks like. How do we get to the successful side of that? And uh, yeah, and just watch it watch it work. But um, it takes time. If you're a member of Inside the Black and Gold, go out there and read Coach Coach Raymond's you know breakdown of like the other guys that were hired at the same time as locks if you're not a member go join it <laughs> go you check it out on? see what's see what's out there man I, it, there was plenty of other schools that made bigger better like you know renowned hires that are in the same position or worse than we are right now like this isn't just it's it's not direct math and with me my point on loxley the reason that everything's going is that loxley finally has the weapons like these guys were hired into pretty good programs in others at the other schools that had had the things established lox has been growing every year it's gotten nicer while lox has been there we finished the tunnel we got the shell we got the jones hill house we right. got the 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 beautiful new scoreboard now he's playing on a somewhat even playing field now he gets to start showing off so i'm not hitting reset i'm not saying this is year one under lox he doesn't get that kind of cushion but what i'm saying is i'm not going to grade next year's results on a curve based on the last three years because last three years he was not playing with all the chips he didn't have all the cards in his hand 
Like now he has everything. So you can individually start grading the next one, two, three years to see what he does. And the biggest chip that he doesn't have yet is that he's winning. So even a bowl game, even a 50-50 season is that thing he can go into people's living rooms and shake it at them and say, we're doing this with or without you. I think you can make us get there faster. Yep. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and I just think fans need to relax a little bit. I know we all get on this high, right? Because it seems like the same thing every year. We come out the gates like gangbusters against these, you know, lesser opponents. We talk about those tiers. We're playing against these tier four teams and we start this year all four and oh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's rinse and repeat. Like I said, we do this every year. The problem is it, the difference is the middle games, right? All these, the cream of the crop, big 10 games. How do we play in those games? Can we pull a couple of games out of that to go to a bowl and if we do that then this is a successful year and we are progressing as a program which is what you want to expect overnight change of that kind of caliber that some of these fans expect out there is just unrealistic and it's real it's ridiculous in my opinion yeah we had production from everybody in this game we had some production from the running backs we had the great production from the tight ends your boy out there yeah. is, is going off chicken conquo yeah. also we got a little bit out of Corey Deitches was there problems sure I mean it, even Talia who I think played great like he has to change some things and he will change some things we talked about him going down on on the escapes he overrated his escapability he thought he was Lamar Jackson out there you're not bro we watched <laughs> his brother do the same thing that's why he got his hip hurt was he he thought he was going to outrun everybody in the field like like you he will he will learn to get rid of that ball but it was better than he did the week before the Iowa loss is never acceptable the way we played the Ohio State loss I wish it didn't happen but it is what it is I told needs to put some touch under his balls because that's the biggest problem I see with him right now is he's got a cannon everything's on a rope well that's becoming predictable so when they know where the ball's going, the defenders are there. You saw the screen pass get batted down. You saw some it's some other issues where we just couldn't get it over the lineman. Like the, he needs to put some touch on the ball. Even that touch, even if he had more air under it, even though it wouldn't have been, it wasn't his fault on the first missed touchdown pass. If there was more air under it, the guy could have recovered some. You know, well he's throwing it all line. It's got to be perfect every time. He has the ability to be perfect. But now you're playing with not Dante Davis. You're playing with not Deshaun Jones. Like. There may be a misstep or two. They might have to change and look over the other shoulder. So let's, if you have the opportunity, if they're wide open, put some air under the ball. You don't have to rocket it in there every time. Right. All right. Well, let's dive into this, man. We're, we're talking about individuals. We're talking about certain position groups, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago when I was on the show that we were going to do uh, midseason positional grades. Now, for you fans out there, these positional grades are weighted. <laughs> They're grades based on where we expected these groups to be. We are not by any means comparing these positions or individual players to the cream of the crop of NCAA. <laughs> We're just comparing these grades to where we thought they'd be and where they've kind of either lived up to our expectations or not. Uh, so let's start. Let's start with the quarterback position. Let's start with Talia. Ryan, I'll let you take this. He's been a, a very feast or famine kind of year so far for him. The first four games, obviously, the you know lit the world on fire. Uh, but these two games against Big Ten opponents, uh, it's been a struggle. Yeah, I mean, like we've talked about, we've already said Iowa is just completely unacceptable. He got an FFF, and so when you when you average a twenty percent into what the rest of the year is, it it hurts. But I I guess I kind of am gonna look away from that a little bit just because it has been. He did play so much better against Ohio State, which is legitimate defense. It's not big. Ohio State's defense is not their offense, but they're still a very good defense. You can't get four and five stars every year and not be. They might not live up the Ohio State standard, but we would take that defense every year. 
Okay. So the other thing you got to factor into this group, this is just, this is a quarterback positional group, right? We haven't seen a ton out of him yet, but we did see a little bit of Reese Yudinski, and I think we're all feeling a lot better about that backup quarterback position than we have in years past. Yeah, I mean the couple passes he saw were were, were pretty, but it was definitely a mouth duty. They did let him throw, so that I guess maybe just give the fans a taste <laughs> because the rest of the quarterbacks they put in that game, they just said turn around and hand the ball off. Uh, I give it a, a B minus. I understand that's okay. generous after the Iowa game. I, I could see arguments for much lower than a B minus, but as happy as we were, the Heisman buzz early going on, like even though it, we all knew it was overblown, like he he's played really good and the bounce back was real, whether you want to believe it or not. There was plenty of, we could have put up 28 points easy in that game with like minor things going right. And right. So I, 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 I give him a B minus. All right. Ahmed, what do you got? I actually have a hair above you. I have a B just because, um, like you guys mentioned, I think Talia through those first four weeks showed that he he can make those just improved decision making. He's, uh, you know, I've talked about it. He uses the mobility to extend plays a little bit more. I thought he was smarter. That he did a couple of jobs, a couple of things in those first four weeks where we hadn't really seen it the first, uh, excuse me, last season compared to the uh, start of this season. Um, I just thought he was a little bit more efficient, and obviously the Iowa game kind of took the wind out of that. So I don't want to completely discredit and take away everything that he showed the first four weeks. Agreed. I do still kind of think that he's still a little little volatile, and I have some some questions about how he plays out the rest of his uh, his uh, uh, Big Ten uh, conference slate. Uh, but I do think that the Minnesota game next week gives Talia a pretty good chance. But uh, I, I would say overall, and then, uh, excuse me, uh, beyond Talia, I think, like you mentioned, Udinsky kind of gives that room stability. Um, kind of keeps Talia in check, keeps that competition pretty high, and you know for for next season now, I think Maryland, um, you know they they, they kind of have their quarterback. Whether it's Talia that comes back, um, you know, which is much a uh, much more realistic question than yep. maybe four weeks ago, five weeks. <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, thanks Iowa. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I think you know I don't want to take everything away from uh, you know that Iowa game. The Iowa game really is what sticks out. The Ohio State doesn't as much, uh, but um, yeah, so. B is my answer for that unit. Yeah, I mean, six games into the year. I think I'm right there with you, Ahmed. I'm going to give uh, the positional group a B as well. Uh, Atalia, so far on the year, 72% completion percentage, just under 1,800 yards, 14 touchdowns to eight interceptions, six of those in one game, the Iowa game, right? I'm not going to allow one game to completely you know, weight the score one way or another. It was an ugly game, no doubt, right? And he was forcing window balls into windows that he should have never been forcing balls into. Uh, I think the most surprising thing um, for Leah, for me, uh, is the lack of mobility. And it's not, it's, it's, yes, I agree with you, the mobility to extend plays is there. But I, I thought that this guy would be going for these, you know, third and fourth down conversions and, and be getting, you know, chunks of yards here and there because last year he showed flashes of that. But so far in the year, he's got 30 rushes for negative four yards on the year. Kind of surprising with that, in, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, as a group, I think, again, having Reese back there to give a little bit more of a competition is good. So I've, I've got this unit as a, as a great as B. When That's you're throwing fair. on third and one, it's really hard to get rushing yardage. <laughs> uh, Good I point. Would say there, there, I'd say the one play that sticks out uh, just on Talia being able to use that mobility is I think it was the first play uh, in the Illinois second half, the offensive series, um, where we ran yep. RPO and then and Talia kept it and ran it upfield uh, for a good chunk of yards. But you know what? That Like you said, that hasn't been uh, 
hasn't been something we've seen very often. So it's I think- coming back. They don't. They yeah. no longer have the dogs to just throw the ball yeah. in every play. So this bye week is going to be the reset, and you're going to see an awful lot more of that in the second half of the season. Wouldn't surprise me. All right, so let's move on to the offensive line. Now, this is a position group that uh, there was some shuffling around going on right before the season started. We didn't know who the starting center was going to be, who the right tackle was going to be, some things that needed to get solidified. And I'll be honest with you, this position group has really surprised me overall. Like you said earlier, knocking on some serious wood right now. Injuries have not been an issue on the offensive line so far, uh, but it has been a, a very good group. And uh, I'm going to let you start with the positional grade on this one because there's a guy specifically that stood out to you a lot on this group. Yeah, you know, shout out uh, Eric Harris, who's really come in and, um, you know, he's he's owned that center spot. Um, definitely had some questions about him kind of coming into the season. He didn't win that center job outright, um, kind of took him some time to, you know, get conditioned and then get the playbook down. And then, you know, that week before uh, the season started, he kind of took that on and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So um, I, I, I do give the unit an A because uh, I had some concerns about, you know, whether Eric Harris, whether he ended up being the starter, whether he can come in and play at that high level. Um, Jahari Branch, Mason Lunsford, Jahari Branch, I know he started last year, but Mason Lunsford, you know, he, he moved into that uh, first unit back in the spring. And, you know, now he's made a pretty seamless transition. Um, you know, the consistency is almost there, uh, but definitely has been a surprise. Kept Talia upright uh, m- much more than I expected this season. Um, so the only only thing that I I'll, so actually I'm going to go a minus just because I'll I'll think about the pre snap penalties and that's something that yep. has kind of been a, a lingering issue for the unit. But right. um, again, pleasantly surprised. Ryan, I'm so excited with you guys. Like I was so I was so ready to be the number one homer around here, and just like all my grades be way out of whack higher. <laughs> that's, that's who I am, right? That's all the fans know. I'm the number one homer in the site. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would give them an A. I'd give them an, an A right there with it. I again, the expectations, uh, just that left side of that line. I think the only thing holding them back is the play calling. <laughs> they think that every play that I've seen them be let loose, they roll people with Mason Lunsford, with Duncan, even with Delmar Glaze out there taking yes. over snaps for. Damn for it, you Duncan. stole mine. <laughs> I, like we're 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 really six deep. Like it's like he's yeah. they're they're getting reps, they're getting things going, they're preparing for the future. Uh, they're doing what they can, and and it's it's been really it's been really fun to watch. The pass blocking is unbelievable, and the run blocking they just don't they don't get the options like, yeah. and they don't think they use. I think that they're too stuck in the 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 offense and not what these guys are good at, and like run the power to that left side, man. They're they're unstoppable. That is a a force out there. Yes, could Ohio State line maybe stop them? Sure. I don't know that any of these other teams are. So please run that ball behind those two horses over there. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I've got a little bit lower. I'm at a B plus, and the only reason I'm at a B plus, Ahmed, to your credit, there was the uh, the pre snap penalties. It's got it's got a little bit of a concern. It's something that's frustrating. It's something that's a controllable. Uh, that's something that you know needs to get cleaned up. It was better in this Ohio State game, so hopefully that's trending in the right direction. Uh, but to all your points, I mean, Eric Harris has been a huge surprise and stepped in right away and, and been playing great at center. Uh, the rotation of having you know Duncan and Glaze out there at left tackle, I didn't expect to see Glaze much at all this year as long as Duncan was healthy. So that's promising for our future at tackle. That's, that's good. Uh, so I really like the, the the way that this group has been playing overall, but I've got them at a B plus only again because of those pre snap penalties. Um, but 
Next group, running backs. This was a group that we weren't real sure what we were going to get out of. We knew we were getting a senior back in Tayon Fleet Davis that was going to kind of lead this young group. Uh, but, you know, you had some pieces that were leaving. You had Jake Funk leave last year, and you had some pieces leave a couple years ago, right? So we didn't know what to expect. And I've honestly been kind of surprised at the limited opportunities that this this running back core is getting because, honestly, they've been pretty effective as a group when given the opportunity. Yeah, I would agree with you on the opportunities. Even these numbers don't seem right. It just doesn't feel like we've been running as much as this says. It says 33.5 rushes per game over the first six year, six games, 136 yards, a 4.1 average. So the 4.1 average gets the job done. when you're t- And you're talking all the way down to your like fifth running back. We've seen everybody. Yep. So when you're averaging all that in and getting 4.1 a carry, that's really good. I think that those numbers are really like tilted. We know they didn't run at all against Iowa. Uh, I don't think they ran anywhere near that number against Illinois. So I think that those those heavy rushing games were against some of the, the non-conference teams early in the year. I'd like to get back to more of the running, especially with us losing our wide receivers. Uh, but I guess I would give them the same B minus. I, 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 I was disappointed in town Fleet Davis against Ohio State for sure. I'm disappointed that we don't have like the guy. Every guy we've had somebody be productive but it's not the same guy, which is a little strange. Um, I really like a lot of our freshman talent. I'm happy about the future. I, it's just not quite ready yet. The fumbles have been a real issue. Like the, the um, almost all of our fumbles have been from the running back position, and that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, I'm giving the unit a C because I am very disappointed. I'm fully expected to see a lot more Penny Boone, a lot more Isaiah Jacobs. I know Penny Boone kind of had some injuries kind of coming into the season, but he's Everything I've heard, he's he's good now. Isaiah Jacobs still battling a little bit, but um, I he he's been cleared. He's able to go. And Roman Hemby, we haven't really seen much of him this year. Colby McDonald's been the freshman, but I just think the like you guys said, just the lack of success, the lack of commitment on a consistent basis to the running game. Um, I didn't think that Maryland had you know like you said that that home run hitter, but Maryland also didn't need that home run hitter in this unit. And Tayon Fleet Davis is a guy that can catch and run out of the backfield. He's your veteran. Um, I think Maryland has much, much bigger opportunity to establish this running game. Um, and, you know, with Sean Jones, with Dante Dimas out now, Maryland should pay, pay more attention to this running game, get the ball in Tayon Fleet Davis. Even Challen, I thought his looked good. Um, I, I give it a C just because of the lack of the productivity. Um, but Ch- Challen has been a, a pleasant surprise for as much of a disappointment to me as Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone have been. Um, and Colby McDonald has did a pretty good job of beefing up a little bit, so he's able to p- kind of be that physical runner in the trenches. Um, but yeah, again, just I, I think there's so much more to that that uh, is left to be desired with uh, with the run game. Yeah, uh, listen, Tayon Fleet Davis, uh, to me, just needs more opportunities. The guy's got 50, 55 rushes on the year for 338 yards. He's averaging over six yards a carry with four touchdowns, right? I understand he didn't shine in the Ohio State game. I get that. But at the end of the day, when, you're le- when your best back is averaging less than 10 carries a game, that's a problem. And when you're giving up a ton of points like you are against Iowa and you're giving up a ton of points like you are against Ohio State, the way you kind of counteract that is by controlling time of possession, right? And the way you do that is by keeping the clock moving, by keeping the chains rolling. I understand that this offense has the ability with these wide receivers to take chunks down the field, but at the end of the day, keep the clock moving. Keep the game, you know, keep running the ball, move the chains, commit to it more. Uh, and I think Tayon, with those opportunities, can do that. Uh, I agree with you. Penny Boone, 
and, and some of these guys have not lived up, uh, especially uh, Isaiah Jacobs has not lived up to my expectations at all. Uh, but again, I think Tayon can be that workhorse back. Multiple phases, you know, a catching the ball and running the ball. Uh, just need to commit to him a little bit more. I give this group a, a, a C plus. Not quite there as a C. I give him as a C plus uh, as a unit, and I think a lot of that just is on pure opportunity. Yeah, I Makes feel sense. like that's that's completely completely justified. All right, so moving on to probably the position group that had the most hype uh, going into this season, uh, the wide receiver group. Obviously, now decimated by two catastrophic injuries to Dante Demas and Jason Jones. Both of those guys made their impact felt through the first six weeks in this game. Uh, Dante Demas still leads this team statistically in pretty much every category from a receiving standpoint. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you, or actually, you know what, Ahmed, I'll let you start this one off. What is your kind of take on this group as a whole, and where do you see their grade? Yeah, so this is pretty interesting and a little bit tougher just because it's if we're if we're doing grades based on our preseason expectations, um, you know, if it was just a grade, I would probably lean towards a B plus. Um, uh, but I'll 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 give it a B minus just because the drops have been a big concern to me. Um and even when Demas was healthy, Demas, uh Deshaun Jones, Rack, Rack, I mean Talia's first interception came off of a ball that went right through Rack's hands. Uh Brian Cobbs is a guy who hasn't really struggled with uh, dropping balls through the years and he was a guy that he's dropped a couple so far in his limited opportunities um so that that is is concerning to me a little bit and maryland did you know they've they made strides since week one as uh as a as these receivers have had to block on the perimeter as well and i think that they've done a little bit better of a job with that but um i haven't really seen like demas i've seen him be, being able to take that next step and kind of like like we said, a lot of the balls that are coming his way, he's able to you know take advantage of those one on one matchups. He does have the, the the drops on you know third downs and stuff like that. Um, but I haven't really seen you know a guy like Raheem Jarrett take that next step. Daryl Jones, he has every opportunity for the taking right now. Can he take that next step? He, we haven't seen it so far. Um, so I think there's there's some concerns, and obviously Dewan McDougal, I know um, you know. Uh, he, his his status right now is a little bit up in the air. Carlos Carrier, he's going to have to step in a little bit more. But um, again, the drops are the biggest concern to me, yep. and um, I, I I think I think there's 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 an extra gear that this unit can still hit. Yeah, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, an eye. I want to <laughs> give. I got one eye in college. The incomplete. Like what? What are you gonna do? I mean, you you got Demas out and Deshaun Jones. That's the combined seven hundred and thirty yards of offense gone. Yeah, gone. I mean, I'm gonna put give you a real letter grade, but <laughs> that's really what I want. I want to just give it an I. It's not. It, it isn't. We didn't get to see it. Like, and it's unfair. Um, I guess I would give it. I mean, we're judging the first half. We're judging what we have. I mean, right? If we're judging games. what we have, it's. I guess if we're judging what we've already seen. I'll give it a B minus. Uh, again, the guys that were impressive are two of them. Two out of the three are gone. Uh, you talked about Darrell Jones getting more opportunities. They've been giving him way more opportunities than I thought he deserved since week one. Like I, even when we had all the guys, so like it's not like all of a sudden we're throwing to him. It's they've been we were trying to force feed him the ball almost this whole season. The drops have been an issue. Of course, it's been high flying and fun to see, but you're those guys are dropping like flies. I I don't know, man. I I, I do see a couple things going on. Marcus Fleming looked pretty good when in his reserve role in Ohio State. Like I I see some people like 
able to take this step. Um, of course, the number one thing with wide receivers is the quarterback position, be able to get him the ball. So I'm not out. I don't think that everything's falling apart. The sky's not falling because we don't have our number one studs. But it's definitely going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, you talked about the the interception of Rack's hands being an interception. Right. How about the one in this game? So you're talking about yeah. two two out of eight, which is 25% of the interceptions are on the receivers. And then if you remove the five from Iowa, that means it's only one interception in the other five games that was actually the quarterback's fault. So two out of three were the wide receivers' fault. So it's it's there's definitely problems as much as high as they shined. The the de- negatives were there. Um haven't seen them getting into like stupid like uh 15 yard penalties like we saw last year with like the yeah, eagle illegal right. picks the the um you know personal fouls things like that that we saw just yep. like end our, our games last year the immaturity so that's great um so it still stays in that b but i i am disappointed especially with our remaining receivers yeah all right so for me uh going into the season you know this is the group that had the i guess the the biggest ceiling right they they could have easily given this preseason grade an a plus with the way that this team was on paper it's very embarrassment of riches yeah it's very unfortunate to lose two of your best three in a top three wide receivers in back-to-back weeks like that it sucks um but yeah to all your points uh, drops were an issue uh in the first six games of this year Rock, I think he's had some big plays this year, but he's averaging like three to four catches in the game. I thought he'd have a little bit bigger of an impact in the first six games. I understand, you know, there are, uh, again, other options out there, and, and Talia's done a pretty good job of spreading the ball around, uh, you know, and his go-to target was Demas when Demas was healthy, was healthy. And Demas put up great numbers. I mean, again, in the five games that he played, 28 catches, 507 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, he, he was super effective. Every week it was, you could make, Dante Demas, the player of the week, right? He was just that effective. But again, he did have some of the issues with the drops as well. Uh, so for me, I'm going to give this overall unit a grade of a B, uh, only because, again, I had such high expectations for this group, and they just haven't lived up to it. And then again, uh, the unfortunate situation with the injuries. Uh, so let's move on to the tight end group. Tight end is a uh, position group that I pay a lot of attention to, and we've talked about it. You know, Loxley uses a lot of the tight ends uh, in his pass offense in, in years past. Uh, started off a little slow this year with the, the tight end utilage, uh, but started to pick up over the last couple of weeks. Ryan, I'll let you kick this one off. What's your opinion on the tight end group? I'm really happy. Uh, this goes back to what your opinion was on the running backs. Like, they just need more opportunities. Every time I've seen them given an opportunity, they've produced. Chig mm. uh, has had... You know, early it was just basically touchdown production. There wasn't a lot of yardage going on, um, but he's had both in the last last game. Um, and then uh, Corey Deitch is way better than I expected. Like he seemed way more ready for that tight end position than I thought. I thought he was just a glorified wide receiver. Uh, he's able to do a little bit of everything, and I, I, I was really shocked to see that. Um, the one thing I thought we'd see a little bit more baby Gronk. I thought we'd get CJ Dupree a little bit more action um, and just more throws to Chig and Corey overall. Um, would be my only reason they're not like an A plus because I can't come up with much they've done wrong this year. I I I you know I I think we all kind of expected the tight ends to play a, a bigger role and I I would say that I would I would expect that tight end group to play a bigger role in terms of the attention that they were getting but if 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 I'm judging based on how they've performed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give them an A because I think that they're doing a pretty good job blocking. I think Chig has been efficient. Um, he's been a red zone target. He's established himself as a red zone threat. I think Corey Deutsch is a guy that has a really good bounds, really athletic, has 
a great catcher EDS. And I think that is kind of why um, I, I don't think he can fill that void that Chig has as a blocking tight end, even though he has taken that step. But I think Corey Dyke just fills that role as a receiving threat yep. once Akonko does leave. Um, so that's what I am most uh, pleased about. Um, and Gronk, baby Gronk, um, I do think that he, I expected him to play a little bit more. And he has played, uh, I believe, in every game but one so far this year. Um, and he, he's been so the red shirt's gone. Let's see some more of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, he, I think, I think he'd still be uh, efficient as a blocking tight end, depending on the matchup. But um, I would give the unit an A, like I said. Yeah, I, I'm not far off. I've got it as a B plus. Uh, again, when they've been utilized and they've been called on, they've they've done well. Uh, Chig again, he was kind of a uh, wasn't a whole lot of targets early on in the year, but he was effective with his touchdown catches. Uh, you did see him a lot more in this Ohio State game, and I think that's going to be the trend moving forward. You lose your two top wide receivers, well, those targets got to go somewhere, and I think Chig has some of the more reliable hands in this offense, and it's starting to see like Leah's kind of building a little bit confidence with him. Uh, to your point, Deitches has looked really, really good as a receiver. Um, you know, kept pass catching out of the, uh, you know, as a tight end, uh, hasn't looked great as a blocker, but again, that's not his primary objective. He's a receiving tight end. Uh, and I do think Gronk, baby Gronk will get more opportunities as the year goes on again, uh, as a more of a blocker as well. But, uh, I think this, I think this unit's done well again with the limited opportunities that they've got. So I'm right there at a B plus. All right. So let's switch over, uh, to the defensive side. Uh, which has not been great, <laughs> but we'll start with the defensive line because there have been a few guys that have stood out on this defensive line that have done really well this year. I think a little unexpected, and if this is uh, going to say anything, I think this is one of the better groups on the defensive side. I think that this defensive line, um, I mean, when you think of the defensive line now and then you think of the defensive line when uh, DJ Durkin was here and we had zero pass rush outside of uh, Yannick Ngakwe, right. um, I think just the fact that this defensive line has been able to find that success. And I know, obviously, these last two weeks, you know, they kind of been neutralized a little bit, but I just think Sam O uh, has probably been the biggest breakout player on this team so far this year and his return has loomed so large um Messiah Nasili Kikite uh, Ami Fino that both of them have been battling injuries a little bit and both of them you know they've they, they're really good in space uh but I think just Sam O's in a really good job of just being able to control the edges a little bit more um he's he's probably like I said my my, my breakout candidate uh, on this team um and then you have the outside backers that have been able to help a little bit but um I give it the defensive line an A just because I, I think that they've been able to help this defense quite a bit. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I'm happy with the defensive line. Uh, first of all, I want to point out that like we can't hold Iowa against that defense at all because I think they scored 50 points on 60 yards. Like they, <laughs> they gave, we gave up the ball on our on our own 20 every yeah. drive. Like I was, they didn't have I to work for it. Yeah, there was there, what, what we. It would have been a miracle if the defense could have dug us out of any of those scenarios, and like they really did a couple times. So I. Uh, but the defensive line will st stick into that. I like you said, we have some guys that have shown out. You know, we've got the uh, another walk on turn scholarship player, the Kevin Kevin Durant changer right. that ended up with the, the three back to back. Greg Rose with the back to back to back sacks ending the Illinois game. You got yeah. Sam O's been playing out of his mind the whole year. I I you can't ask for much more, and we're really not seeing a bunch other than Chop Youngbull from our freshmen, just like you know, otherly world rated players yet. Like they haven't really gotten in other than a couple special teams plays here and there for these guys. So you know that there's, you know, reinforcements coming. You know, there's guys learning. You're happy they're learning from guys that are actually doing it and not just like, 
you know, when Nick Cross came in, Locks wasn't starting him out of out of like a point. Like, you know, we're like, the freshman doesn't start right now. You watch this guy. Well, Cross was better than that guy that day. Right, right now, I'm not sure that even though these are four four star guys sitting back there, that they're any better than these grown men playing this position. So it's good that they get to learn from somebody that's been through it and developed and had to work to get that good, especially a Sam O coming from what he was just like back up like doing nothing or the program guy to be in your sixth year all of a sudden you figured it out you figure out the film so you've got the work in you know so you can really coach these guys up that have that natural god-given talent to do the right things to get that whole nother level all right so what is your grade did you give a grade no i did not give a grade <laughs> <laughs> uh all right uh i give him an, i give him an a minus again i can't hold iowa against him the only time i've seen him shown uh, shown up was ohio state and who's gonna blame him i mean you're playing against probably four nfl linemen right <laughs> i don't know what your what your expectation is there right now yeah again this for me has been one of the most impressive groups uh as a whole in this team especially on the defensive side uh sam o i've been saying since day one has stood out like a sore thumb on this team in a good way 17 tackles three sacks tied for the team lead in sacks but it's it's across the board you got darrell nashimi it's got three sacks as well and acelia kite he's got three sacks greg rose and the story and what he's done this year i mean it's just it's been great, and I've never seen depth uh, this good for this defensive line. So it, it shows good for for future promise as well. Uh, I yeah. really like I really like what I see. I would like to see a little bit more outside pressure, uh, and I think we'll get that as uh, Damian Robinson gets a little bit more accustomed to the you know to the defense and the the speed of Big Ten play. Uh, so I think that'll improve. He's as overran we go. some plays for sure. He has his his motor is yeah. high, man. That kid has no quit in him, and I really like him, what I've seen so far. Uh, so I'm going to give this this unit a B plus grade. Uh, so I, I'm really, again, really, really pleased with what I've seen out of them so far. And, and one thing I want to point out is Tank Booker. I think he's done a really good job rotating in that defensive line and um, kind of filling in to, to round out the rotation. And uh, a couple of years ago, when you know when Maryland looked at the JUCO market and they brought in a lot of these guys, you know, Sam O, but on both sides of the trenches, there are a lot of people that were pretty skeptical about you know guys that maybe not were playing a lot when they were at Independence and they were coming here as to play these bigger roles. And you know, they've come in, they've excelled, they've done exactly what. Uh, coaching staff, Coach Loxley, Coach Brian Williams, what they wanted this unit to do. Um, so I think this is just a credit and testament to Loxley and the staff having a vision. And regardless of the skepticism and feelings about the others outside of the program, um, you know they 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 know to a T how they need to do it, how they want to do it, and um, you know whether it's successful or not remains to be seen. But so far it has been, and um, I, I, I'm impressed with that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, so let's go back uh, a step in the defense, and let's go to the linebackers. This is a group that, uh, you know, there's there's definitely some talent in this group, but there's also a big hole in this group, right? We didn't know who was going to be replacing Chance Campbell and what this group specifically was going to look like in the middle uh, of the linebacker group. Ruben Hippolyte obviously is a star of this, you know, this this core. But right now we're six games into the season. He's got 18 tackles. When you talk about the middle linebacker that he was replacing in a chance Campbell, somebody who was averaging 10 to 11 tackles per game, uh, that production has dropped significantly. Ryan, I'll let you kick this off because I know this is kind of special group for you and, and Ruben is your guy. Uh, what's your impression so far, linebackers? Yeah, it's just so hard because if you watch any play with Ruben, he looks as talented as anybody on the field. It looks like he should that these numbers should be so much better. Um, I think part of the problem is the fact that they've put us into a situation where everyone's in pass coverage now. The number of times you see Ruben run 43 yards down the field with either a running back or their 
like slot wide receiver coming across or whatever um that takes away from his ability to be that run stuffing linebacker that's going to just collect tackles um we were obviously this was the very first injury finage gote goes down he's your he's your starter um so these have been basically a backup linebacker core from basically day one uh jennings was obviously a huge replacement level player we were not we're a little bit shocked that a freshman was that ready to do that um, but even he goes down now for the last two games so ruben's been by himself on an island and having to do a lot and he's probably there stuck coaching up other players i can't give him a good grade but i can't be mad at these guys like jennings has played great uh ruben's played you know looks great and the stats it, i think they'll come eventually um so i i guess i give him a C plus. I can't give him much more than that. I was really wanted to give you somewhere in the B's there. I really did. I mean, I'm happy with where the future is. I know both these guys are going to be back next year. I expect them to be absolute monsters in the future. But right now, we're not getting the production. Our our DBs should not have all the tackles on this team. It's just that's not how how you win a game. Ahmed, what are you seeing with this group? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I think Ruben is a guy that uh, kind of coming into this year. I mean, I, th- I mentioned in the West Virginia um, uh, game preview that he's a guy that has the speed. So, um, you know, even though he comes downhill and he, he's a heat-seeking missile, he has the speed to, to go down fi- go downfield with receivers uh, if need be. And, you know, we kind of watched it, you know, in, in past coverage, he is still a work in progress, but he plays fast. Um, but just overall for the linebackers, I think just the the lack of firepower these last few games in that front seven um, has kind of shown a little bit more. And it is it is tough because, you know, Kobe Thomas, he was a guy who was a walk-on. He wasn't even yeah. practicing leading up to the Iowa game with the defense. He was a scout team guy, and he had to come in and, um, you know, Play fill in. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, uh, and then Asita Smith is another guy who moved over. They said he moved in the spring, but that did not happen. He moved in the fall. Um, and he he's, has really not played played too too much uh, so far this year. Uh, just tried to uh, get acclimated to the new position. So I think they're kind of working just through that depth a little bit more. And probably a year away, Terrence Lewis. We also haven't seen him this year, and right. probably won't see him this year. Um, so I think I think it's a little bit tough um, with the, with this group. Just again, just given what they've lost and what they have right now. But I, I have to go see just because um, that unit as a whole right now is just um, it, it is hindering the defense's ability, I believe. Yeah. It, it, listen, this is a group that's got a ton of talent. Uh, but the problem is there some of that talent is super young and some of this talent has been forced to play because of the injuries that you're talking about. Uh, it, but honestly, so far as a group, I don't think this unit's done well. Um, and, and it's including Ruben. And I, I understand that Ruben is is getting asked to do more in coverage than maybe what Chance Campbell did when. When he was here so those opportunities for tackles aren't going to be there uh but again it doesn't just fall on ruben's shoulders we're talking about the entire linebacker core group as a whole hasn't seen a lot of we haven't seen a whole lot of pass rush uh from the outside backers in this group as well uh so for me i'm going to give this group so far a c minus again I, I think that they have a ton of potential uh and when they're healthy they will be a very good unit uh, and Brandon Jennings has been a surprise in the limited opportunity that he played before going down with the injury. I, I don't, I still to this day, can't believe how big that kid is. Uh, he's yeah. got a good football IQ and he's going to be very impactful. I'm excited, uh, for Terrence Lewis when he does get healthy, you know, because he had a lot of hype coming out of high school as well. Um, but again, it, it's all hype at this point, right? We're just talking about the first six weeks of the season. And so far I got to give them a C minus. All right, let's take one farther step back defensive backs going into the season 
This was our, if we were ranking all the position groups, we had wide receivers one and defensive backs two, just based on the talent and what we had saw last year at a Tareeb Hill as a freshman and the expectations of him making that next jump. And, but man, we talk about injuries. It's kind of been a, a, uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunate situation with the defensive backs. We've got one guy go down after another, after another. And there's a lot of guys that are seeing the field. Some that don't even have names and numbers on their jerseys. Like it's just, it's (laughs) it's, so many zeros. It's so many zeros. Zeros up here every week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ahmed, I'll let you kick it off, man. What's your, what's your opinion? So, um, I'll, I'm going to give the defensive backs. I'm going to give them a, uh, a B minus just because I think, um, kind of lost in the shuffle. I think Jordan Mosley has kind of taken a step forward this year. I don't think we're seeing as much. I think last last week was he had a pretty pretty good play to kind of break up a, a, a touchdown um, uh, in the past game. Uh, Nick Cross has come a, cr- a little bit inconsistent, came across flat-footed on a couple plays, and then there are a couple where he just comes downhill and lays the hammer. Yeah. Um, so I think he still plays really fast. It's just the the uh, getting himself in position to make that play is something that needs to work on consistently. Um, and, you know, you mentioned it. You know, we, we walked into the season. I definitely had Jacorian and Tarheep still penciled in as my two, knowing that Deontay Banks would be a hell of a third. And then Loxley opened up media day and said, we see all three of those guys as starters. And then, you know, last week they only had one of those guys. So um, I, I think just kind of the the, the the depth and the the youth in that, in that room is kind of coming out. Also, Bo, Bo Breed is another guy who I think has – kind of shined and shown that even though Mosley's taken a step forward, once he leaves, Brady will be a guy that comes in and, and kind of fills in. Um, but just the cornerbacks as a whole, I think you're still seeing Maryland get spread out like they did in 2019 and last season where they just, you know, opposing offenses are just attacking that uh, one-on-one matchup. Um, and Maryland still doesn't consistently have an answer for that. Um, so that's that's the biggest concern. Um, I think Tarheeb still, even um, uh, against Iowa, even though he had a couple plays where he just completely got beaten one-on-one he also had a couple plays where he was able to jump the pass a little bit um so um so i i'm gonna go uh, actually i'm gonna go with my grade b minus uh, for for this for this unit um again just definitely definitely a lot to do and i think once they get kenny bennett and jacorian bennett back like we've mentioned earlier in the show um i think that will make a noticeable difference but right now uh, a lot lot left on the table ryan how do you see this group uh, I agree with the grade. I don't know if I agree with how it got there. So B minus as where I'm going to go with it. Uh, yeah. But I'm a little bit happier with the ones we expected. I'm happy with Cross's play. I'm happy with Stills play. Um, like I said, Jacorian Bennett was about what we expected when he was healthy. Um, then I was very surprised. It was pleasantly surprised with the Mosley and the Kenny Bennett, you know, better than we ever would have expected from that kind of play. But at this point, we're just we're playing, you know, the backups, the backups, the backups. So you, you can't just take them out of the grade. Like it's like those guys are getting D's. So you got to average them in with my, you know, A's for the people I didn't expect this from, and A minuses from the people I did. So I, I, I get to a B minus eventually. But it's, it's the haves and have nots. We got dudes that can play and dudes that can't. And you know that's what it is when you're this early into a rebuild. Your depth isn't there. We're not. We we aren't Ohio State who can lose a five star and put a four star in. That's not where we're at. I think we all kind of have similar opinions uh, as far as the state, right? I mean, like, like Nick Cross, I think he's been great. I mean, he's he showed a little bit of inconsistency, like you said, Ahmed, in some of the coverages. Uh, Jordan Mosley has outperformed, my, in my opinion, through six weeks so far. Uh, I 
do think still he's boomer bust man so far this year. He's had some really really good plays and then he's looked bad on some plays too. So there's room for him to grow. I just had really really high expectations for him after how he played last year. So I'm a little skewed in that opinion. Uh, but to your to your point, Ryan, I mean you got a grade based on who's out there and who's playing every week. And there's a lot of guys out there that have looked bad. Uh, I'm not going to single anybody out by name, but I mean there's just been a couple of guys out there that <laughs> I've considered it. <laughs> right. There have been some guys out there that look really really bad that bring this group down so i'm actually going to give this group a c minus and i give them a c minus because i had such high expectations and they've underperformed in my opinion through six weeks get some guys back like you said through this bye week and things can change and hopefully uh, this unit will be what we've all expected them to be uh in the beginning of the season uh but right now man it's 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 uh it's been a challenge it's been a challenge i hope I hope that we get more out of Levante Gator and Isaiah Hazel as the the studs come back because they are playing against guys they weren't expected to play against. So for that them to be the the fourth and fifth cornerback is going to be a lot easier than being the one or the two and three that they've been playing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so I really like, I expect more out of them. I really do. But like Gator is a guy that he plays you know nickel a lot more than outside, and I think that's kind of where he's fit in. And, and you know Isaiah Hazel. Um, you know, I think he's he's made some good plays, some bad. I mean, I know he he's had he's responsible for I believe one or two unsportsmanlike calls. Um, but I I don't I know I mean, the talent's I, I, there with him. That's why I've just been wanting more because he has the skills. Yeah, I think I think Hazel also has some pretty good range that he hasn't really flashed yet either. Um, but uh, that that's fair. All right, so we got to talk about the one group that we've been talking about for six weeks has been a big challenge, but we're going to grade this group together special teams as a unit right uh some of the guys that have stood out in a good way on special teams uh Petrino obviously having a pretty good gear as a kicker's 20 of 21 on extra points he's 8 of 11 on field goals so 73% i think Anthony Pecarella as a punter has done really really well this year 16 punts 750 yards just under 47 yard average well, that's where it starts and stops with good on special teams, in my opinion. The return group or the return units have been a challenge since the beginning of the season. They continue to be a challenge. Uh, some coaching decisions to put certain guys out there were questionable from the very beginning. Uh, so, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you go and give me your grade on this. What do you see how, the, how this entire unit has graded out so far? C minus. Okay. I mean, I again, like you said, the 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 kickers. Both punters and kickers, the people that put their foot on balls, have looked just fine. The other 10 dudes standing on the field, and I guess the long snappers, too. I haven't seen a bad snap. You haven't heard his name, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's great for a long snapper. The other nine dudes need to get some work done. Like, I mean, the amount of times you've heard us complaining out here of simple things like not clearing when you're supposed to clear, that still hasn't bit us in the ass. It still will. We're still waiting for it to happen. That's luck of the draw. Uh, The fact that you have your number one guys playing at positions for a quote advantage but we're not seeing one like if you want this kind of production out of your special teams then use the backups and get this kind of production if you're not if you're using your number one dudes make it something that matters like an eight yard return is not something that you need to put your number one corner at risk for and a, a a 20 yard return on the kickoff is not something you need to put your number one and now number two wide receivers out there for risk for. If these guys were, you know, banging out 45 yards every, every third kick return, then I see why you have them there, but it's not happening. So use the backups on the special teams or get the production. I, 
honestly, I don't even want to talk about the coaching because I'd like to throw a monkey wrench in this one, you guys. And we're going to we're going to put a another category after special teams. And let's talk coaching grades after we're done with special teams. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think just the, the, the special teams, like you said, and I mean, you're, I'm not going to say anything that you hadn't. I mean, I just think that the the, the coverage units have been god awful this year. I, I give the unit an F just because of how unprepared they've been. And um, like you said, just having Rakeem Jarrett back there, Dante Demas back there, and then Demas goes down and you put Deshaun Jones back there. And even though Deshaun Jones is a more natural returner, uh, his importance is 10 times more once Demas goes down. Um, so I think just the the lack of explosiveness uh, in the return game and then coupled with the fact that uh, you've really only seen a handful of occasions, a handful of plays where the coverage team has, has been in position um, and it bit them in the ass more than it's helped them. So uh, I, I give it an F. It's undoubtedly been the biggest disappointment, biggest concern uh, on, on this on this 21 uh, Maryland Terps team. Yeah, the kickers are the only ones that saved my grade for you, but I agree if we're just doing those other teams, it's an F. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I'll meet you guys in the middle, and I'll go D, uh, only because of, like you said, Ryan, the guys that put foot to ball have done pretty well. Outside of that, it has been a hot mess. Uh, I don't need to go down the laundry list of reasons that you guys have already listed because I will just be repeating everything that you just said. I 100% agree with you. Uh, and, and again, it, to your point, and if you Those want to talk, field goals is at least one block. It might be two. I can't can't come up with it, but I know there was a block in Illinois. Right. So that's not on the kicker. That's on the other ten guys. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was going to go into coaching because that's a whole other thing, in my opinion. So if you want to go down that road, sure. Let's yes. grade the let's grade the coaches as a whole. We don't need to go down head coach and assistant coaches, but let's grade the unit uh, coaching staff wise as a whole. Ryan, I'll let you kick it off, being that you're the one that's going to bring it up. All right, so this is the average here. That's what it is. We got a C because we got Ron Zook as an F, an absolute F. The special teams look terrible. The associate head coach role apparently is all he's doing out there. So we need to either find ourselves a special teams coach that can do it or give him more time to work on the special teams because he is a very experienced special teams coach with lots of NFL you know, experience at this level. So he can't be this bad. So he just must not be there. Like, that's the only thing I can come up with. Because there's just simple things that just need to be, like the like we said, the clearing of the players away from the ball. The fact that you have, they weren't even calling for the people off. And then you're getting blocked into it. It's, it's a whole mess. And you had offensive players on kick returns st- sticking a hand out for a 100-mile-an-hour ball at you. You're just asking for turnovers. And again, if you are given the dogs from the number one guys, you need to produce more. Yeah. Uh, Loxley, I've already complained about uh, the Iowa game. Well, I guess not with Loxley or the offensive coordinator, but let's be honest, the offensive coordinator is just calling Loxley's game plan. He's a he's a figurehead. So <laughs> you blame Loxley when the offense goes poorly. Iowa was an absolute terrible game plan. They were throwing on every down, no matter what the situation. They thought they were smarter than the other team and could catch them sleeping, and we just weren't. But Ohio State looked good. A lot of the other games looked good. So I'm going to give you know Loxley's in that B range, and then the rest of the, the of the of the players I, I I'm I'm happy with. So as a whole, I'm going to give it a C. I don't I'm not mad at anybody but Zook. I don't I'm not calling for anybody's head. We're not we're not getting rid of this whole program. But I mean I get that Zook's been a, a pretty good recruiter, but he better be doing an awful lot of recruiting to make up for this terrible performance. All right, Ahmed, what do you got? He- yeah, I, I'm going to give it a D just because in addition to the you know special teams and whatnot, I think you know we saw some clock management issues against West Virginia. We saw the lack of commitment to the run in the um, uh, in the uh, Iowa game. Um, I just think there's been a lot of instances where and and also the discipline that 
falls on coaching. Um, that is something that we have consistently seen through these first three years. Um, players have come and gone. Assistants have come and gone. But that is something that has still been a mainstay. Um, so I just think that there's still a lot left to be desired. Um, some of these rotations at times have kind of confused me as well. Uh, I think that there's there's definitely a lot to lots of fix uh, on the on the game day management side of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the I mean the the, the clock management uh, in the West Virginia game that um, even when it happened immediately, I thought to myself, how, how does that happen? How do you how do you squander an opportunity to add points uh, with timeouts in your pocket uh, in the red zone uh, with with just seconds left? So um, there there are just a couple couple real head scratchers to me. Uh, so uh, D is D no B no plus no minus just D. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm right there with you, Ryan. I think you gave it what a C. I, I, I'm C. I, yeah. I'm at a C as well. Um, I do think that there are some really big opportunities on this coaching staff, and it starts with Ron Zook and the special teams, like you said, Ryan. If I'm going to give anybody an F, it's 100 percent him. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you got a guy in Brian Roswell on the offensive line coach who's done really really well with that group. He would be in the A category for me, right? And then you know, to your point, the clock management has been bad. Um, you know, the discipline issues that's 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 across the board, not just a Loxley thing. That's across the board with the coaching staff. Um, you know, these are things that need to be cleaned up. And uh, it's it's hard to give this this staff a grade higher than that right now, uh, just because I think that there are big opportunities and some things that they could be controlling and things that they can fix uh, on on them on their own. Uh, so I give this group a C. Um, so, all right. Like we talked a lot about football and it's been that way now for the past six weeks since the season kicked off. But we haven't talked about the basketball squad uh, for a while, right? And and today there was some news. We got a uh, a new commit for the 2022 class. Matter of fact, it's our first commit for the 2022 class. Um, and before we get into everything about what you've seen at practice, tell us a little bit about this new commitment and uh, what we kind of can ex- expect from this kid. Yeah, he's a, a Swedish forward. Uh, he, he arrived in the States about eight, nine weeks ago from, uh, obviously from, from Sweden. He's over at uh, Sunrise Christian Academy now. He's a six foot eight, about 200 pounds, um, really athletic guy. And when I talked to his coach uh, over at Sunrise, uh, he had mentioned just you know, how athletic he is. And, um, you know, may, you may look at that size and say he's maybe more of a post player, uh, you know, just inside game, but uh, he is a really good passer, um, can kind of, kind of, has some guard-like tendencies in terms of the passing and the ball handling and whatnot. Um, really good slashing for scoring option. Uh, but I kind of asked about, you know, how, how consistent is he with his jumper and whatnot and was told he has a pretty good mid-range, capable of hitting the three, but it's not uh, what you expect from him day one. Um, so it's just a really athletic piece. Uh, a guy that, um, you know, we know that we have some shooters on the team right now. So for a guy like, uh, like Clintman to come in and, kind of fill that role as a slasher, um, kind of create those different opportunities where he compliments those, those other guys. Um, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing. So, um, you know, Maryland beat out uh, Loyola Chicago, Rutgers, uh, Virginia, and Kansas were also in that in that top group. But Loyola Chicago was the team that finished runner-up. Um, so great get for Maryland uh, yeah. for, for commitment number one. Uh, not sure we see a second commitment uh, as, as things currently stand. Things may change, but um, you know it's uh, d- definitely a quality ad. How old is this kid? Do we know his age? 
I, be- I believe he's 16, 17. Uh, don't have that 100%, but um, yeah, he, he's got a pretty pretty raw potential, a pretty high potential. Uh, biggest thing right now is just with him playing over at Europe. Now he's coming over to America, so just kind of learning and getting acclimated, uh, but uh, has, has, has a pretty good ceiling. I was going to say, the reason I asked, it's six foot eight, 200 pounds. It's 16, 17 years old. This kid could be a man-child in the next year or two. And yeah, that's yeah. what the officials list him at. His own Twitter had him at six ten, so maybe maybe he's uh, <laughs> j- jumped a couple inches before since they last measured him. Right. I, I got my question to you, Ahmed. What do you see the the historical terms uh, like comparative? When I'm listening to you talk, I'm hearing like a Jake Lehman type. Is that am I off base with that, or is that about what you're looking for? Is the the prototypical uh, terp? I would say a little bit more athletic. Um, I think from a scoring option perspective, I think that's. Uh, I think that that maybe is a solid comparison. I think Clipman is a little bit more um, just, again, aggressive, physical with his body. And you didn't really see that consistently with Jake. Um, now, obviously, with Bobby, um, he has the chance to do that. He's a really good passer in the open court. And I think he's a little bit more fluid um, where you can push the pace a little bit more. Uh, Jake was a- obviously able to do that. Did we see that all the time? That's a definite, definite no. Uh, but I think Clipman kind of kind of fills that role. Um, so I, I do kind of see some similarities there. I like it. I like it. That's a big get for the Terps to start off the 2022 class. But let's talk a little bit about what this squad looks like for the upcoming season. Uh, they did just have an open practice. Obviously, there's a lot of new pieces, man. We we, we talked about the big three going into the offseason, who was going to come back, who was going to leave. You got the departure of Daryl Morsell. You got Aaron Wiggins. He goes pro. So it's Eric Ayala coming back. Uh, but the Terps do add a couple of big transfers in Quidditch, uh Wahab and uh, Fats Russell. What were you seeing in this open practice from these guys and some of the other team? Like, were they in rhythm? Did they look like they had good chemistry together? What were you seeing? Yeah, I mean, you could tell just the pace of practice was also just incredibly fast. And that was something that Surgeon noted kind of beforehand. Um, but, uh, I mean, to me, it's very, very clear that Kudus Wahab, the new center from Georgetown, he is the real deal. Um, he's a guy that can really impact the game on both ends. Didn't really have too much trouble kind of going up against uh, Julian Reese and Pablo DeZubia. Uh, in low post offense and defensive drills um, and five on five Xavier Green was probably the biggest standout um, he's pretty pretty bigger guy for uh, I know he's 24 25 years old right now so he kind of gives that unit uh, some uh, some experience there off the bench um, and then in the backcourt I mean you know to expect that Ayala where he's kind of done a little bit better to, to retrim his body he mentioned that he did a really good job of just being mindful of what he's eating uh he actually mentioned freshman year he had uh popeyes before a game and he was like <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know how that would affect me and now i don't do that and i was like yeah that's probably fair um so i think you you kind of know that you know you kind of you know that he's capable of shooting so i'm um, obviously uh like like we saw last year where he's able to kind of craft and use his handles to get inside the paint. But I think that's going to be more for Fats Russell, who's explosive and very quick with the ball in his hands. Very um, tiny. Yeah. Very he's small. definitely not five eleven. He's I'm I'm five nine. He is also five nine. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then Julian Reese is a guy that that Turgeon he noted was maybe a little bit ahead of curve a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, and I got a chance to see him. I think he's gonna be a guy that probably plays a four, maybe a little bit of stretch five. Uh, I think he he kind of does fill that role behind Wahab, but I just think the biggest thing with him is just uh, getting that physicality, getting his body so that he's able to uh to uh, bump bump and grind a little bit in the Big Ten. Let me ask you a question. So you you talk about Wahab and what kind of like impact this guy might have. 
to Ryan's point with the question earlier about Jake Lehman, what kind of comparable would you put with Wahab? I mean, to me, everything that we had heard based on his athleticism, his size and whatnot, not what he did in the pros, but what he did here, uh, it was a comparable to Diamond Stone. Do you see that kind of a comparison athletically, or do you think he's even a bigger and stronger kind of guy? I, I think I think he's a little bit more. I mean, I think you see a little bit more, in my opinion, I think you see a little bit more Bruno than you do Diamond Stone just because well, I like that. of... Yeah, just because I think that he's a lot more fluid. Now, Bruno wasn't, in my opinion, he wasn't as consistently efficient uh, on the offensive side. It was, you know what you were going to get on the defensive side. Um, and I think that Waheb gives exactly that on the defensive end. And I think offensively, I mean, he did a really good job of whether, um, you know, face up and he's able to finish around the rim or did a couple of times where he used his left and his right hand on on some uh, on some hook shots. Um, so I think, I think he he can do that. Um, so that's that's kind of the biggest thing. But the biggest thing about his game is just the ability to impact shots on the defensive end. I mean, Maryland really really missed that last year. Um, so that's a that's a really big addition. Yeah, yeah losing I, a guy like Daryl Morsell, you got to have that kind of you know that that back end replacement defensively. So that's huge. Yeah, that physicality. I mean, you, you just need to be able to go inside out a little bit more. And I think Dante Scott, I mean, I think everyone realized that he just, he can't really play the five. I mean, he can, but it's just not his strength and it's not going to be the strength of this he team. He shouldn't so have I, to, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so can, I th- shouldn't I, have to. Exactly. So I think, I think just with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Dante back at the four, Kudos at the five, I think just a lot of these guys, what really sticks out to me is just, they all really work together really well. Hakeem Hart, uh, didn't mention him. He's also about six, eight right now. I mean, he's legit, legit six, eight. Uh, he, he really grew. Um, so I just think a lot of these guys, I mean, we have shooters, we have, uh, low post presence. We have the, the backcourt, the experience in the backcourt. Um, and you know, so far everything's worked well together. I mean, Turgeon noted it, you know, chemistry's at an all time high, but we haven't lost a game yet. So, um, you know, time will tell, but, uh, definitely, definitely liked what I saw. And I think this has a pretty experienced deep rotation. Well, Turgeon historically likes to use his rotations and likes to, you know, throw different lineups out there. If I had to hold your feet to the fire, uh, and we're talking a starting five, especially in, in the backcourt, are we looking at a Fats and Ayala backcourt where Fats is running the one and Ayala's yep. at two? Yeah, and that, that's the focus so with with Ayala p- playing primarily off the ball and can create those scoring opportunities for him. And Ayala even mentioned um, he he had, he he made the argument that you might have to be in better shape to play the two than you have the one. Just coming off the pick and pop screens, things like that, just run run into to, to create those opportunities. Um, so I would have uh, I have Fats at the one, Ayala at the two, Hakeem Hart at the three, Dante Scott at the four, and uh, uh, Kudis will have at the five. I love it. I like yeah. that starting five and, and what, what excites me even more. And I know we, I feel like we've said this the last couple of years too, but uh, I feel like this team has some actual depth, some real depth that can come in and we might actually have more than a six man rotation, Ryan. Every year, Fred, every <laughs> year, I'm going to you get know, a, a montage of us saying this I every know, year. I'll wait till February. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Xavier Green, though, you think he can kind of fit into that like six or seven man rotation there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it, seem, it seems like it. And the, the coaching staff mentioned they were pretty high on him as well. Um, I think E. Martinez will be that, that primary backup point guard. Um, you know, he can play the two, but primarily serving that one with Mark Stockery coming in a little bit. Um, and then Xavier Green is able to play the two a little bit. You have like Cornish as well, who's a freshman, right. kind of getting acclimated. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, especially early in the season, you know, getting Ike uh, transitioned and acclimated to the college 
uh, speed of the game. Um, but I think I think Julie or Xavier Green, excuse me, I think he he has that skill set and that the deep shooting uh, and the experience just from his four years at ODU to come in and, and kind of be that staple. I love it. You got Ike and Julian, both the freshmen coming in that have a lot of potential there. So I think the the good thing of having this kind of depth is you don't have to throw them in right away and you can kind of get them acclimated to, you know, Big Ten play and this, this, the pace of Maryland basketball. So I'm excited so far from what I've, what I've seen and what I've heard uh, from this squad. Ryan, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, excited to get it, get it going. You know me, my my first love's still alive. So until football season's over, I will be watching all the games, but I'm not going to be live and die because I know how this works. This changes in January. That's when it matters. When we start seeing what they look like there, I will be all balled in and we'll figure out what's going on. But right now, I'm I'm still counting to six. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a bye week coming up with the football team. Uh, we're still going to put out a pod out there because we're going to talk a little bit about the Minnesota game and, and what we can expect from that squad, especially with the, some of these guys coming back and getting a little bit healthier. So we'll talk a little bit about that next week. Uh, appreciate each and every one of you guys tuning in as always. Make sure you follow us on social networks. Follow us on Twitter at Shell and Tell Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Shell and Tell. Uh, if you find our bio link in our Twitter profile, that'll take you to everything. It'll take you to all the podcast uh, platforms. It'll take you to all of our individual page. It'll take you to the inside the black and gold page as well, which if you haven't subscribed to that, what are you doing with your life? Get it done. Uh, Ryan, sign us out, man. All right, man. Like you said, it's the bye week. No news is good news. Let's keep that going. Uh, we got homecoming. Don't give up yet, guys. Let's see where this ne- next game goes. We're going to count to six still with me. Until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the show.